Welcome to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. Today's message was originally preached on Sunday, May 2nd by Pastor Rod Heppel. Today's message is the first sermon in our new series entitled, Growing Up in Christ Together. Check out sardisfellowship.com for more information about our church. Hello, Sardis Fellowship. Today we are starting a new sermon series that will take us through to the end of June. I've titled it, Growing Up in Christ Together. Now, growing up in Christ means becoming mature, a mature follower of Jesus, one who has strong character and a faithful walk and who cares about making disciples. And the together part means that we do this in Christian community. And in particular, I have in mind our family and our church family. So what we're talking about is becoming mature Christians, mature in Christ, who are shaped in community. Now, I love the springtime. I mean, it's a time of year when you get ready to plant your gardens, right? You prep your garden boxes, you plant your seeds, and the hope is that those seeds will grow up to be big and strong plants that eventually produce a crop. Uh, Maybe something beautiful like red tomatoes that taste 10 times better than all those hot house tomatoes we eat all winter long, right? You know what I'm talking about. Or maybe your thing is flowers. You love to work hard, and in, in the end you see your roses or your dahlias, and they're just boasting their blooms, and you love that. Well, whichever case, we typically expect that if we nurture our plants and take good care of them, pay attention and all that stuff, that later on there will be a harvest. They produce something. We call that produce or fruit. Now, spiritually speaking, this is true as well. Last Sunday, Pastor Rob was speaking about keeping in step with God's Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can produce in us fruit, hence the term the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, self-control. All those good things that God wants to grow in us. By the way, uh, for our Sardis Kids Online program, the videos that they make and show each week, they're doing a study on the fruit of the Spirit right now. And a couple of weeks ago, I found in our house on the counter a gray wig. And I picked it up and I looked at it and I wondered what in the world is this wig for? Then I found out that my wife, Anne is playing the role of Granny Smith for the Sardis Kids videos, and Granny Smith is teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. So when I saw Anne in her little getup as Granny Smith, I thought I maybe just saw my future, or her future. At any rate, God wants us to grow. Now this is important because if we think that our job is done because we prayed a prayer and received Jesus into our life, and that our sins are forgiven, and I'm on my way to heaven, which is all true, But if I just think like that's it, then it's very possible that I will stop growing. It it does beg the question, what is the goal of being a Christian? What is the goal of my faith? So, you know, we could think, well, it's to be saved from my sin and go to heaven, and now I just keep living my life the way I want. Well, no, that would be wrong. Is it to give God a place in my life? As long as he doesn't ask too much of me, that's okay? Well, that doesn't really ring true, right? Is it that I'm supposed to leave everything I have here and go to the other place? place in the world to be a missionary? Well, possibly might lead to that. Is it that I'm to sell all my possessions and give my proceeds to the poor and live a life of poverty? Well, if possessions or wealth stand in the way of you and God, well, then maybe yes, but otherwise probably not. So what is it? What is the goal of being a Christian? If we're supposed to grow and bear fruit, what are we growing to? You've probably heard the Westminster Catechism says it's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I think that's a pretty spot-on answer because everything else comes out of that. It flows out of glorifying God. We are growing to God, towards godliness. 
Pastor Rob once shared this idea of arrows of desire that are aimed towards God. Glorifying God, enjoying him forever is our target. Of course, God also has a mission and he invites us into his mission as his followers who are aiming our arrows towards him. So here are some verses that speak to our need and expectation of growing up in Christ and that we are to actually be pursuing this. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tales, which simply means superstitions or things that are perceived to be true but really are not. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. In Galatians 4.19, Paul says, My dear children, for whom I am again in pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And then finally, in Ephesians 4.13, he says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So in these three verses, we are being encouraged to train ourselves to be godly and to allow Christ to be formed in us and to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, I must admit that that sounds pretty lofty, right? But remember, our job is to aim the arrows of our desire towards God. And God, by his Holy Spirit, will be the one who produces that fruit in us. What makes a topic like this challenging is that we don't ever really arrive, like at the finish line of spiritual perfection, at least not in this lifetime. Now, back in February of 2019, we had the leadership of our denomination come in and share with us around the idea of discipleship. Now, we had 44 of our ministry leaders and staff that were there that day. You might remember it if you were there because the power went out. It was freezing cold and dark. Uh, But we made the best of it, and eventually the power came back on again. Now, they helped us learn an important idea about discipleship when they said you need to talk about movement and moving as disciples, not compared to the whole idea of, like, arriving. I mean, if a person is moving towards Christ, then they are growing in Christ. If we speak as if we've arrived... Well, first of all, that isn't true. And secondly, it probably fosters negative things like spiritual pride, or maybe it demotivates people from wanting to keep moving because they feel like, well, I'm never going to arrive. And so they stop moving. Do you ever feel like that in your own spiritual journey? I know there's times I do. So the fellowship gave us an analogy to work with for understanding discipleship or making disciples. And it's that of a river. Now, you've probably heard us talk about this. And a couple of years ago, Pastor Rob Schaff wrote out this summary, and I want to read it for us. It's, it's very well done, so track with me here. The journey of discipleship is a big river flowing towards Jesus, with plenty of little streams that feed into it. Some people dive right into the broad river, and others wade into it through a side stream. Some have been in the river a long time and are quite far along, whereas others are just starting to get their feet wet. Some are hurting and tired and need a lifeline so that they can just catch their breath, while others are swimming fast as, they ca- as fast as they can with the current. There are many ways to enter and swim in this river of discipleship, but what's most important is that people are moving downriver towards Jesus. We enter the river at different points and places, but we are all in the river moving towards Christ. The important thing to focus on is movement, not arrival. Okay, so that's what he wrote. And and the question I'm asking is, are we moving towards Jesus or have we stopped moving? 
The only arrival that we will have is when Christ returns or when we die and go to be with him. That's when we will have arrived. Until then, we are moving towards Christ, towards Christ's likeness that he might be formed in us. You know, Bill McClellan passed away just a couple of weeks ago at 94 years old. And before he passed away, I got to meet with him. And he said to me this. He said, I've grown more in my relationship with Jesus in the past few months of my life than I have in all the rest of the years of knowing him. It was something to that effect. But the point is this. He wasn't looking back 30 or 40 years ago when he grew in Christ. He was still moving towards Christ to the very end. So the point of this sermon series is really to encourage us to not stop growing spiritually, to not stop maturing in Christ. Have you ever spent time with mature people and thought to yourself afterwards, man, I feel so encouraged. That was inspiring. Compared to times when, you know, you hang out with immature people, and it just feels so disheartening. It really takes the joy out of life. I had a little reminder of that this past week, this whole immature type idea. I was visiting Afternoon Adventures, which our church runs next door at Evans Elementary. Pastor Tim and Carol and their team are doing a fantastic job running that program, but it's a very challenging context. They do need our prayers, and it's, uh, it's more like controlled chaos for a lot of the time, okay? These kids just don't have a lot of the support systems in place that would help them along in life. So at one point, this one kid had a meltdown, and it was over absolutely nothing, something so small. And as adults, it's so easy to see immaturity in kids when they do that. But you know, the truth is, there's an adult version of that as well. Please do pray for them, by the way, for the ministry, for the kids, for the families of those kids, and for our own leaders who are very brave and resilient people to carry out that ministry. You know, we don't want to be stunted, immature followers of Christ. That's not the goal. We want Christ to be formed in us. God wants us to abide in Christ so that he can grow our faithfulness to him, which ends up benefiting those around us. That's how this works. Now, in Ephesians 4.29, this is an example of how this works. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So the fruit of maturity in how we speak benefits those around us. They are built up by what they hear. This series is an attempt to encourage us to keep moving. We want to move forward that we might grow up in Christ and allow that to benefit those who are around us. But you know, there's an emphasis here in this title too on the together part. Uh, we actually need each other in order to mature in Christ. The Apostle Paul, one of his favorite analogies with that was that of the body, the human body. He says, Christ is the head and the rest of us make up the body parts. You know, the arms, the legs, the eyes, the ears, and also those invisible parts that aren't seen. Together, all of these parts make up one body. And the idea is that the parts need each other in order to accomplish what the head wants us to do. In other words, we need each other in order to accomplish what Jesus wants us to do. Now, I must admit, there's a little bit of irony right here in talking about the together part while we're living in a time where we're told you're not allowed to be together, right? Or at least not in the same way in which we would usually be living in community as a church family. However, that doesn't diminish our need for each other and for growing up in Christ. I, I hope to encourage you that we can still see how community can work. We need to find ways to be able to do this in order to keep growing in Christ. 
Now, to say that we grow up in Christ together is not to say that it's the only way in which we grow up spiritually. It's not. Uh, There's many things that we do on our own in our relationship with God. Me and God kind of relationship contributes for sure to our spiritual growth. But it's more than just me and God. It's me and God and others. Truly loving God leads to truly loving others. And maybe how I live in community is a truer test of my spiritual maturity than my private devotional life. If you think about a plant or a fruit tree, the goal is not just to grow this big, strong trunk or stalk, but to actually produce fruit, right? So here's two examples of kind of what I have in mind with this whole idea of me and God versus us, okay? I may read my Bible and believe that I've interpreted correctly, and maybe most of the time I do. But it's really only affirmed when my interpretation brushes up against someone else who holds the same faith, who reads the same Bible as me. And, you know, sometimes it's just complete affirmation that, yeah, I'm reading my Bible right. But times it can be that it corrects my wrong interpretation or at least broadens my understanding of Scripture. So so that's how I see that community helps us grow up versus just me in isolation. Uh, The second example is um, one around uh, love. So we may have wonderful, intimate, spiritual moments with God, whereby, and I hope we all have these moments, by the way, where I feel his presence and I feel his love and I know my sins are forgiven and I might think, wow, I know I'm a loving person because I have felt the love of God. And and therefore, I'm a loving person, right? We kind of put that together like that. And it may be true, uh, but we don't really know until we bump up against other people. You know, maybe the true test of my being a loving person is really found in me loving the family of God. Now, it is possible that we can talk about a deep love for God and actually not love our brother and sister in Christ, but it's not right. 1 John 2.9 says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. The reality of our spiritual maturity is really demonstrated in our relationships with others. Jesus said to his first disciples, and I would say that he says still to us today, in John 13, 34 and 35, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the one another part here in this passage of scripture is is the togetherness that I'm talking about. Because there is no together if there is no one another. We, we truly are in this growing up process together. We need each other. I need you. You need me. That's how it works. Anne and I enjoyed watching the Downton Abbey series. If you haven't seen it, it's a TV series set in the early 20th century England, and it highlights the changes taking place in English society as a system of uh, aristocracy gives way to democracy, that kind of an idea. You know, it shows how the lords and ladies live upstairs of the house, the abbey, while the servants live downstairs in the servants' quarters. In one episode, the Downton Abbey house, the lords and ladies, were to field a team to play cricket against the townspeople. Now, the abbey was short a player, and so they decided to let one of their servants, Mr. Mosley, play for them. The reason being is that prior to the match, Mr. Mosley had been talking up quite a storm about everything he knew about cricket. He could tell you everything about the game. Uh, He could demonstrate how to hold the ball for pitching, and he could demonstrate the position of holding the bat for batting. But on game day, sadly, everyone found out that Mr. Mosley could only talk about the game of cricket. He actually couldn't play the game. Well, that's not how we want our faith to be. 
Our maturity in Christ is, is, is both shaped by and tested in community. It is both God's tutor and tool in our growing process. Now, to be clear, community is not the only avenue for spiritual growth, but rather one of the avenues that God uses to help shape our faith. I want to share with you the four avenues of spiritual formation or, or spiritual development, uh, which I got from Pastor Dave many years ago when he was teaching a seminar on this. Now, uh, he may have developed this material himself. I'm not exactly sure. If he got it from a source, he probably cited the source at the time, but I didn't put it into my notes. So if you want to know the source of the, the four avenues of spiritual formation, you'll have to ask him. And if you really like these ideas, we can always ask Pastor Dave, who is our pastor emeritus, to do another seminar on spiritual formation. I know he loves to do that. So here they are. Avenue number one, practicing spiritual disciplines. Number two, being attentive to the voice of the Spirit. Number three, sufferings and trials. And number four, Christian community. Okay, so practicing spiritual dis disciplines are things like reading and studying your Bible, praying, fasting, meditating on Scripture, uh, sharing your faith, and many more things. I mean, it includes fellowship and chastity and celebration and worship. There's lots that go into this. The second one, being attentive to the voice of the Spirit, is asking what God is saying and doing. It's keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. It's obeying what we've learned. Number three is sufferings and trials. Um, the furnace of formation is what Richard Foster calls it. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago when I said that COVID is like that fire, that furnace. We're in the crucible, right? Or, or we're being run through the ringer. Uh, so it, it has an ability to shape our faith. And lastly, we're formed spiritually through Christian community. Worshiping God together, being in small groups where you both know others or you're both known by others or you know others and people pray for you and you pray for them and they care for you and you serve one another. That's community. Our focus in this series is predominantly on this last avenue of growth, community. And when I say community, I, I mostly have in mind here um, your family and your church family. I, I know that not everyone has grown up in a Christian family where you have parents who are seeking to raise your kids in the way of the Lord. But that said, there are things that God could still be using in your home life to mature you in Christ. If you're truly seeking him, he will use your home life experience. God uses Christian community to mature us in Christ. Now, when I think back over my life, um, I see how my family and my church family have shaped me and my faith. And while the other avenues of spiritual formation were always there too, it's the people element that God used to shape me, to impact my life. Those moments when a person spoke into my life and the truth of the teaching of God's word all of a sudden comes to life in me. I think that we all kind of experience this. We may not remember the sermon someone preached, but we remember their life. And we remember how their life impacted our life. And this happens in different ways, right? It's not always the same. Sometimes it's through a long-term mentoring relationship, and sometimes it's through a conversation with someone in the foyer. It's never quite the same. As I think back over my life, I could probably list 100 people that I remember specifically moments where their life impacted me, and it happened in different ways in different times. And that's how community works. Whether it's a kid in Sardis Kids or a youth in Fuel or Ignite or at a camp or on a missions trip or at a men's or women's event or a Sardis Prime Time or serving or caring or hosting or leading or, or, or. We grow up in Christ together.
in community. When I was a youth pastor, our mentor Bill Clem used to remind us youth guys, the program is the excuse for the relationship. It's the vehicle through which relationships are built and discipleship happens. We do kids stuff, youth stuff, women stuff, men's stuff, all as an excuse for the relational component that allows those moments of insight and growth that will end up impacting people's lives for Christ. Growing up in Christ together is about looking at how our faith is shaped in community and in particular through our family and our church family. It's important that we keep growing and it's important that we do it together. I'd like to close today by giving you an illustration from my own life of being somewhat of a farmer. I say somewhat because I grew up on a potato farm as a kid many years ago, but I still like to garden today. So I've observed some patterns from the plants that I've grown over the years. First of all, the goal of growing a plant is that it will become mature and have a support system like roots and a stalk and branches to be able to produce and sustain fruit or produce. But it doesn't always work out that way, right? So here are some of my experiences with my plants. When it goes right, number one, I take care of the plant and they do well. Uh, I weed it, I water it, I fertilize it, and then the plant grows big and strong and it produces fruit. Yay, success, right? Number two, I take care of the plant for a while, but then I forget about it. I don't water it, I don't fertilize it. And it starts to die, but not completely. And then I start to nurture it again and it comes back to life and whoa, look at that, it became strong enough to produce some fruit but maybe not as much or as large as it would have. Number three, I forget about the plant altogether. <laughs> it dies, it withers. Lastly, I take care of the plant and it seems to be doing okay. It has branches and it, it seems to be alive, but it doesn't bear any fruit. Do you remember Rob's illustration from last week from N.T. Wright, where he talked about a Christmas tree and a fruit tree? He said the Christmas tree is the one that's cut off at the source, is decorated really pretty, but it will never bear fruit. In contrast, the fruit tree, which seems pretty average, you know, in, in its looks, if it's nurtured and cared for, it will continue to produce fruit year after year. So what is this fourth category? You know, I think it's the parable of the wheat and the weeds. It's the farmer who has gone out and planted his wheat, and then it says that someone comes out at night and scatters weeds. And now they're growing up together, and the farmer can't pull out his weed because he'll pull, or the weeds, because he'll pull out his wheat. He can't uproot it. So he waits for the harvest, and at the time of the harvest, then he separates them. So I think category four could be something like maybe we're faking it or maybe we're producing out of our flesh what we think is fruit, but it's not really. We're checking boxes in our relationship with God, but it's not total attachment to Jesus. So the four categories again. One, a cared for plant produces fruit. Two, a somewhat neglected plant can be nurtured again to produce some fruit. I hope that gives you hope. Three, a completely neglected plant will die. It won't produce any fruit. Four, a wrongly cared for plant will not produce fruit or it will produce blight. It's no better than a Christmas tree. It's just a decoration. It's lifeless. So just as a plant needs intentional nurturing in order to grow and produce fruit, so do we spiritually speaking. In order to grow up in Christ, we need each other to help us along the way. I want to close with Ephesians 4. 11 to 16 says this so Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach 
unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, mature, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows up and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. My prayer for us as a church family is we will consider, are we growing up in Christ? Are we moving forward or have we stopped? And are we doing this together? You know, we need one another. And I pray that you will be engaged in your heart to say, yes, I want to keep moving in my relationship with God. And I hope you will also say, yes, I want to help others do the same. I'd like to lead us in prayer. Our Father in heaven, this journey of life is very challenging. It's multi-layered, the challenges that come to us. And at times, our, our eyes can be on the wrong thing. And so, over the course of the next few weeks, I pray that we would set our eyes back on Jesus Christ, that we would desire to aim our arrows towards God, that we would want you first and foremost, and then to allow you to produce that fruit in us, that we would grow up together in Christ, to be mature, that we might be a blessing to those who are part of the family of God and to those who yet do not know Christ, that by following you faithfully, they will come to know Christ through our witness. So that's what I pray for, for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Here are your questions for today. Number one, what kinds of experiences have you had growing plants? Do you see a correlation to the spiritual life? Two, share about some of the people who have impacted your life and helped to shape your faith. Three, why do you think we reduce our walk with God to checking boxes instead of aiming our arrows of desire towards him? Four, how do you think your journey of discipleship would change if total attachment to Jesus became your reference for moving along the river? Thanks for listening to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. For more information on Sardis Fellowship, please check out sardisfellowship.com.